see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Today, we welcome former PMMI chairman and current CEO coach Rich Barr as he discusses his time working with entrepreneurial operating systems. Often used interchangeably with the word traction, Barr breaks down EOS as an operating system for your business that is people-centric, high on accountability, and very high on creating rhythm. It's putting people in the right positions to succeed, which obviously every business needs. Let's have a listen. So with all the fancy introductions out of the way, welcome to the podcast, Rich Barr. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. So you just came off stage at the uh, Executive Leadership Conference for PMMI, and I I saw your session. It was wonderful, and I'm going to be honest. I'm not as well-read on this as I guess I should be, and and I'm not as familiar with EOS and traction. So I guess for our our listeners out there who who also may not be up to speed on this, could you give us a little overview on exactly what what EOS traction is? So EOS is an acronym stands for entrepreneurial operating system. So the term EOS or traction are used often interchangeably. And it's simply an operating system for your business. So if you think about, we use that term operating system for uh, your computer, your PC, or your phone, your mobile phone. So the operating system is, it's the way that things work. It's what makes things work. It's how it it's how it runs. It's how it responds to data. It's how it responds to inputs. It's what it provides. And every organization, whether they have identified it or not, has an operating system. They just may not have a label for it or have identified that. But but EOS or traction is a very specific operating system that I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. But it's very high on. Uh, it's very people centric. It's very people oriented. It's high on accountability, and it's very high on creating rhythm. Okay, so I so I get that again from a high level perspective. But I guess with the word entrepreneurial in there, it leads me to to my next question of who then should be using this? Who who is best that this should apply to from a company standpoint? Whether it's size, money wise, or number of employees? Who, who do you think of this is best directed towards? So Gino Wickman is the founder of, of EOS Worldwide and the author of the, the first book in the, in the EOS library called Traction, which kicked this whole thing off. And he, wasn't, he was an entrepreneur and found that this is the way that he, I guess, developed or fell into how he operated his business and found this to be successful. And it was a smaller business at the time. And so you're right, in, in one way that it was originally designed for entrepreneurial owner 
run organizations. Now that said, you know, fast forward, you know, 12 or 14 years or however long it's been since Traction was published. Mm-hmm. And it's been adopted by uh, organizations that are significantly larger than that. I know in my, I'm no longer an EOS implementer, which is somebody that's certified to help companies uh, guide them through the process. But during my implementation days, and even in my private coaching practice now, in my private coaching practice now, I've got companies that are well over $100 million that have uh, multiple operating groups underneath them that are operating in traction. So uh, there's probably a tap out size, I suppose. I don't know what it would be, but uh, I wouldn't be super afraid of being a, a, a you know $100 million or more company and still using the operating system that is, uh, is in the book. It's interesting how it can be applied from, you know, a base level to such a, such a larger company. As you mentioned, you had made a comment about right people, right seats. And I was hoping maybe you could expand on that for our listeners because it was a, an interesting, an interesting way of kind of saying something that I, I'm sort of a firm believer in. <laughs> that language was borrowed from Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great. Uh, Built to Last, I think, mm-hmm. previous to that, and, and several other great books. I mean, well-known, of course. And I believe that Gino Wickman borrowed that language from from him. And so Collins talked about having, you know, all the right people on the bus in the right seats. That was the, the visual that accompanies that language. And what Traction does is it takes that, I would say, maybe even a step further in terms of granularity of definition, and it breaks those two things apart where a right person is somebody who aligns with the organizational values. You know, so if you have values of integrity, customer service, uh, love, I don't know, whatever whatever your values might be, that you've got firm alignment by, by each person in the organization with those values. A right seat gets more to the person's ability or desire to actually perform in the seat that they're in, meaning their role. So do they do they have the the intellect, the talent, the skills, the training, the desire to actually do the job that they're in? So if you take that the next step, you can think, well, so is it possible to have somebody that's really great in their job, but maybe don't align with our values? And the answer is yes. And most of us recognize those people because they terrorize us. They are people <laughs> that that um, we think I can't imagine how would we how would we continue on if if so and so is not in their role. Like oh my gosh, they're irreplaceable. But yet, so we feel a bit held hostage. I call them organizational terrorists. Is my language. <laughs> You know, we can't we can't imagine going on without them, but we but we all hate dealing with them and living with them. And so those are people that might actually do their job very, very well, but don't align with the values. And then we can also have the other side of that, too, where we've got somebody that everybody loves and she's a great team player and she totally, totally lines up with all of our values but she's in accounting and she's not very good with numbers. And we're yeah. like, huh, OK, well. So that might be a person that you might say, so let's assess her and let's find out maybe what she's really, really good at and let's reassign her to another role maybe that she can really she can really get and want, you know, and, and has great capacity to do it because, you know, she's a keeper. The first person we should be eliminating. The second one we might possibly keep if we have a, if we have room in our organization for her. 
Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. It, it's not necessarily that the the second person is is bad or is a bad worker. It's just that they might not, like you said, they're they're the right person. They're just in the wrong seat, for lack of a better, I right. guess, analogy. And yeah. you 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 kind of told a a story that sort of ties into that um, to to a lesser a way lesser degree. But you you have a theory or a take on complex problems. That I um I really thought would be great if you could share that with our listeners because I really like the story that you used as a reference to that about the um the engineer and that situation and how that unfolded. Is that something you could share with us? Well, so that what you're referring to, Sean, is when so traction has a construct called IDS, identify, discuss, and solve, and it's the way that we we process issues as teams. And my my suggestion for everybody as a takeaway was that as a team, when we come across what is maybe a complex issue, it seems overwhelming to us. Uh, I would suggest considering the possibility that it might actually be more than one issue. That's what makes it complex. Not always, but just consider that that's a possibility. And so the example that I gave was we had a key person in our organization that exited suddenly, and he was only in that role for I don't know, I want to say maybe six months. I'm trying to remember the time, but it wasn't terribly long. And we had just come off of a time before that where that seat was vacant. And then we had temporarily filled it in a way that wasn't, it didn't work very well. So when this person suddenly exited, our leadership team had gotten together. And this is seven or eight months into operating uh, in traction in my business. Mm-hmm. We we got together as a team and we talked about the issue and we we knew that we didn't want to go back and implement the temporary solution we did before because it didn't work very well. So we really were at a loss of what to do. And it felt like a very complex issue to us, which indeed what it was, was it that was actually more than one issue. And it maybe sounds elementary, but there were, it was overwhelming at the time. And the, and the two issues were, what do we do now? And what do we do long-term? So you can imagine that those are two very different conversations, probably held at different times, you know, so what are we going to do in the interim right now? And then what should we be doing long-term? Should we restructure this? What kind of a person are we looking for? Where should we be looking for them? So there's a, you know, what, how, what differences to the role or the job description or the criteria should we be looking for? So those are all the long-term conversations. The short-term conversations are who's going to run this department? How are Mm -hmm. we going to do that? And, that was that was the meeting where we came up with a bunch of names. We just, we we worked on that issue first and identified that there was two people in the room actually that were capable of doing the job and were willing to do the job on the interim basis. And that was the epiphany moment that I'd shared from stage that um the one individual raised his hand and said, you know, I would like to do this job on an interim basis. I believe I'm capable of doing the job, but I feel like for the greater good of the organization with what I have on my plate right now to serve our customers and the company the best, I think I should stay where I'm at. And I think the other person ought to fill that seat temporarily. And so that was a big moment for me that I thought, wow, you know, we really are beginning to create a culture where people are setting aside their personal ambitions and really thinking about the greater good of the organization. That was a, that was a big moment for me. Yeah. And that, that's why I appreciated the story and thought and hoped you would be able to share it again, because it, it, it does speak to that, that, um, 
I don't know, it's kind of that knowing what you don't know and knowing what you're good at and knowing where you're best used versus, you know, always trying to climb over everyone else to get to the top. Sometimes that's not, sometimes those two things don't necessarily mesh, even though that might be the, I don't know, quote unquote, American way or capitalist way to do things. And I thought that was a great way of, of sort of portraying that and in line with uh, traction as well. And I, again, because we're in a different sort of format, I kind of referenced in our, in our, up in our intro where they can see the majority of the, um, the things that you referenced during your talk. So I guess if we could just get from you after people who want to go look at that stuff, kind of get a larger picture of, of how traction works, what would you, you give as some tips on, on utilizing it or sort of implementing it into your company? I think you had a couple, maybe three that you, you put out there for everyone to take advantage of. So let me, let me first mention, and I, I maybe should have mentioned this at the top, but I, I think to me, what I learned about traction <clears throat> is that it, it closes the gap between what I know and what I do. And anybody that's been operating a company for a while, they're actually probably a slightly better than average intelligence person and a slightly more average than average ambition person, I would say, probably. Maybe that's an <laughs> understatement. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, they're no dummy and they're no slouch. Uh, and so people like that, you know, they've got lots of ideas and there's not generally a shortage of them and they have lots of ambition and want to do things. And I would say that was me as well. Uh, the challenge was that we weren't great as a team. And I would say as an individual, I wasn't world-class at executing on those things. I had more ideas than I actually had resources, had a hard time sorting those things out, getting everybody on the same page so that we were all kind of rowing in the same direction and working on the same thing. So uh, that to me was the big takeaway with traction is, is that it really solves those things. So the implementation suggestions that I had, and again, this isn't anywhere in the literature, the books are online. This is just just Rich one Barton. guy, one guy, yeah, one guy that ran a business in traction and uh, was a successful implementer for a period of time and coached lots of people that implement EOS. Is um, I think the first thing was was that we decided to do it pure for the first two years. Pure meaning do it by the book. Mm-hmm. I think for all the smart people, and I don't mean that I'm not saying that tongue in cheek, but for all the really intelligent well-meaning people that are listening to this podcast. Uh, there's probably not a, a process that you haven't seen that couldn't be fixed or a gadget or a gear or something that could be designed to be more efficient. So we've got lots and lots of smart people in this industry. Resist your own urge to make this better or to fix it or to change it or make it yours. Just resist that urge. There are t- literally tens of thousands of companies that have operated in this system, done it successfully, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you want your business to run better. So what makes you think you're so smart that you should be changing it right from the get-go? So we decided to run it pure for the first couple of years, not tweak and change it. The second thing we did was um, we, we kind of did it in secret, meaning that uh, as a leadership team and me specifically as an owner and a CEO, we got... I was guilty of the flavor of the month. You know, I would come to a, a great conference like the Pima Mai ELC and I would get my head full of all sorts of ideas and I would come back and rush in to the conference room to the morning staff meeting and I would tell everybody about the great thing we're about to endeavor into. And um, 
people got fatigued. People got tired. People didn't take things serious anymore. And uh, we just didn't, it wasn't sticky. So what we decided as a leadership team was that for the first six months, we were going to operate it. We were going to implement it. We were going to be sure that we had our rhythm and our cadence and our commitment to it before we started letting the rest of the organization in on it. And the third thing was really to get a great implementer. Now, you can do this yourself. You can buy the book. You can read it and you can implement it. And God bless you if you try to do that. And it is done. But I, when I had my implementation practice, it was really built around companies that had attempted to self-implement and weren't satisfied or companies that had an implementer that maybe early on and wasn't successful. So um, there's an awful lot that EOS teaches in their academy, teaches implementers about how to do this and how to facilitate. And there's a lot of materials available to implementers that are not widely available. So I would say as an implementer, I was taught a lot of things that I would have no idea about uh, from reading the books and the literature. And it really developed a set of skills in me that made me, I felt like a very good facilitator of this. And uh, so it's really, it's really worth the money and the time to get somebody as a guide to help you get this implemented. Love it. That's fantastic. Well, I want to uh, thank you again, Rich, for taking time. I know you just you just got done giving a whole presentation, and then you had to come out and 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 speak to us immediately after. So that was that was probably a full you know hour and a half to two hours of speaking about this. So we appreciate you taking some extra time to come on the podcast and uh, speak with us today. Great, thanks for having me, and blessings to everybody in this industry, and best of luck. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.